And we're back, back with our latest episode of Strategy and the Virtual Controller. I think we're up to episode 12. Penny, how are you? Doing fine, Damien. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Um, who would have thought we would have got to, I think I was listening to episode six the other day and, and I started with who would have thought we would have gotten to episode six, but I don't think we would have um, thought we would have gotten into double figures. No, and when you told me what David Leary told you about how far we have to go and then call him, I'm going, oh, God damn it, we're never going to get that far, are we? <laughs> but the, the uh, and I don't mean to toot our own horn, but I, I have actually enjoyed listening back to the episodes because, you know, you and I, when we first started talking about this, we thought, do people really want to hear this? It, it, we've been banging on about these things for 10 plus years. Um Surely, surely they're they're sick of it. But but I again tooting my own horn. Um, I quite enjoyed listening to the last couple of episodes. I think there's some really good value in there, and I and I do hope that listeners not only enjoying it but also picking up a, a tip or two to help put into practice in their own business. Um, yeah, because if you can practice this in your own business, you can help SMBs practice it in their own businesses. Yeah, and actually, that was really. I, I listened to. Epi- I did listen to episode six yesterday, and um, that's exactly what it was. Is once you've done this in your own business, then it makes you infinitely better qualified uh, to help your your SMB clients. Um, Penny, today's episode. Yeah, sorry. More sympathetic. More sympathetic. Yeah, good point. Actually, to have that empathy. Um, today's episode, we've uh, previously we've been talking about. Um, accountants and bookkeepers taking a step back from their business and 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 having some space to think about what they want to be when they grow up, avoid the trap of same as last year, uh, and be very intentional about what you want to be, um, if, what you want your business to do, and the types of services that you want to provide to your clients. Uh, we've also spent a lot of time talking about the, the different roles that accountants and bookkeepers can play and and whether you call it a fractional CFO, trusted advisory, client advisory services, um, I, I don't particularly care, but it, it, it really is stepping into a um, tr- stepping into that advisory role and helping you define that advisory role. One of the interesting things though is we always come back to to do that you need really good numbers. Um, and you need a business behind you that can provide you with those numbers. So how do we do that, Penny? How do we actually build our own accounting business uh, so that we can process our clients' data, process the information in a timely manner, but then also have the space, as you call it, to, to think about these numbers and what it actually means for the client? So how do we how do we build? Um, how do we how do we build our business so we can provide these services to our clients, which 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 starts with um, those those numbers? Well, it goes back to a team. It goes back to being able. To, you have to understand the value of teamwork. You have to understand the value of delegation, and then you have to be somebody who can review work and give critical feedback. And critical doesn't mean criticize. Mm-hmm. A critical feedback to those that work with you. And when you do that, you, you promote a sense of uh, acceptance and a desire in the people around you to want to provide more. One of the worst things you can do is not give somebody feedback. Mm-hmm. Good, bad, or ugly, give them feedback. 
Um, and actually, one of the best ways to start that is, and and to sort of to um, diffuse the situation is just starting with with like, hey Penny, can I give you some feedback? And yeah. typically, that's a great way to, to to kick off that conversation. But Penny, one of the things I, I do want us to think about is we have spoken about getting these numbers done, and some of the people that we work with, they'll outsource that to you uh, and and your team, Money Penny. Um, but if if we're thinking about doing it in house. If we're thinking about being the data processors, where do we start? Well, you, 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 you've got to have good quality people uh, on the low end. Don't bog down your uh, bookkeepers with work that is something that's administrative. Let them do their job. Pay them a- according to the goals that you're, they're going to accomplish for you. And... Um, train them up so that you can trust their numbers. When what we do, what we do is we'll get a team and we'll build a team, and we always have a supervisor. And that supervisor tends to be higher education level and or more time with us and more time with our client. And she, because we are a fully female-owned and operated BPO, I'm going to keep on saying that because I love it that we get to do this, um, but. Um, she then trains three or four people under her. So she's constantly in training mode once she becomes a supervisor. And she's watching everything. And then she moves it up to the who, whichever firm, the contact with the firm that we're working on, whether it's an account manager or a lead bookkeeper or even a CPA on the firm that we're working with, the business in the United States we're working with. And she's feeding that up and she's double checking everything. And while she's training them, she's basically training her replacement. But maybe they're not replacing her. What she's doing is allowing somebody else to learn as much so that when we bring in more business, I got a second supervisor. You're building pods as you go. Yeah, I'm building a pod. So I can sit down and I, and I, I did this years ago when I was working for another company. I could say who should remain nameless. I could do that, but they're now owned by a relatively large company. So I will say that who shall remain nameless. And so what I did was I sat down and go, all right, on average, how much work based on the type of work we're getting, can you do in an eight hour shift? Because I didn't want them working like extra hours. This whole like working till you die is like, oh, God, what a <laughs> I'm not going there. I hope nobody else does. Anyways, so, okay, I could get you to work this eight hours, you to work this eight hours. And how much time would it take one person to supervise? So, so what I found in that case was that six people could each work eight hour shifts. They could each handle this many clients based on the type of work the client was sending in. So somebody who was sending in a lot of data entry could maybe handle three heavy-duty data entry clients. Another person who was probably working on maybe, you know, 50 or 60, you know, online cloud-based systems where everything's being fed and they're just being a traffic cop, they could definitely handle more in that eight-hour shift and Mm -hmm. so on and so on. So then we figured out, all right, and we actually kind of timed studies on this. And my two partners, Namilla and Shamila, were they were like all for this back then. So they helped me with this. So, okay, one supervisor could handle six people on a team. And 
in that supervisor, she was handling three different accounting firms, right? So mm-hmm. she's got three firms with six people. Now, granted, we're outsourcers. We probably don't have as many people working for a firm as the firm has internally. We're kind of like taking the stuff that rolls downhill. So, um, <laughs> so we got that. So I go, okay, how many people do I have qualified to be at the supervisory level? Well, in this case, at that time, I had four. So now I got four high-level supervisors, and each of them could have six either first or second year workers underneath them. And between them, they could each handle three different firms. All right, I got a pod. But what I always had to do was make sure that that supervisor had an assistant supervisor who was really not only learning all the work, but was learning how to supervise the work. Because there's two Mm. different aspects of that. There's doing the work and then there's supervising the work. And so she was the assistant supervisor because eventually she was going to create her own pod. Now, above that, there was just me managing it. And I was having the relationship, which I'm doing right now. It's me managing the facilitation of the information to the U.S. company. So in this case, uh, most of my clients right now are accounting firms or bookkeeping firms. But I do have 30 direct business clients where it's we're doing other than them having a tax accountant that I occasionally talk to, we're doing full charge bookkeeping work for them, right? Mm-hmm. And I have 30 of those and I've got two supervisors, but they're all in the cloud. I don't take anybody who's not like, you know, they, if they come to me and they go, I want to do this old school, I go, bye. Um, Here's a firm down the road that'll, that'll gladly, oh, gladly do that, that for you. I don't even do that. I'm not nice about it. You should hear what I say to them. What are you <laughs> Anyways, uh, so um, so I've got those supervisors handling those 30 clients. And I probably, and some of the clients are very heavy uh, hands-on. Um, and I really, I always tell them within two or three months, I should not be talking to you as much. And I push them to talk to their supervisor. Um, it, partly because it's my job to go out and get more business. So if you're the rainmaker in your accounting business or your bookkeeping business, you don't ever want, I always, I always preface everything with, I'm not going to do the accounting. You really understand that, right? So don't call me up and ask me what this transaction is. All right. Well, I it's think I think it's in their best interest that they they know that you're not doing the accounting, Penny. <laughs> I, 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 I put it right out, really, because I'm a mess in a dress when it comes to that. Um, so, uh, so I just I tell them, you know, this this is the relationship, the way it's going to work, and this is the person who, when you have these kind of questions, you're going to ask them. You have a question over here, you can ask this of me. I define that right up at the front. But now, but see, the thing is, I trust the people under me. Because they mm-hmm. know what the goal is. So I've got three chartered accountants as my supervisors. Now, chances are in the United States, I'm not going to need a, chart, a, a CPA to do this. It's just that that's the way uh, 
accounting firms like it. They like to know that they've got somebody equivalent in education, even though like below them are young graduates uh, who have been out of accounting school on a four-day university degree. And we spend six months training them and then we put them in a pod. And then, and, and so pod. who's in that pod? So I, one of the things I like there, Penny, is because um, I think a trap that a lot of accounting firms fall into is, and we've said this before, is they just get more bookkeepers. But, yeah. but, but they're the ones then stuck doing the supervising. Um, right. they're, yeah. not build, they're not building that management function. They're not building that supervisory function that frees, that frees them up, that gives them the space to, to do the rainmaking, to do the advising. So they've, they've really got to be thinking about how are they developing their supervisors so that they can then look after the, the five or six people below them in that pod. That, that, yeah, in fact, that was a difficult concept to get through to my India partners. Um, and in fact, the, the, my supervisor for my, my lead person for my direct business clients isn't even a CA. Uh, mm. she, but you know what she is? Wicked smart. And she's really <laughs> good at supervising other people. And, you know, and I've spent some time with her. We've, she's been working with us for like four and a half years now. And I think she was 21 when we hired her. Um, I'm petrified. Her parents gonna marry her off somewhere. <laughs> like I beg them constantly, <laughs> don't do this to me. But um, but she she just had such a. I watched her. I sat down and watched her, and she wasn't a supervisor then. But she, I saw the how the other people turned to her and would ask her questions, and she could just say, "Yeah, do this," or "Yeah, do that." She and she did it in a very nice way. And, and she was very competent. And I went to my partners. I said, we need to make her a super. Oh, no, no, no. She doesn't have the right education. She doesn't. She, she, and I'm going, no, she's my supervisor. For my Isn't client. it funny? Accountants all around the world, they have that same sort of, whether it's control, whether it's the sort of, no, no, they've got to have the, these, these particular qualifications and, and degrees. It's, it's fascinating that wherever you are, the, the, those personality traits are consistent. Yeah, and she doesn't have them. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she, she, uh, she, and 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 there was like we even had this. I, this is a constant battle. I don't think mm. this is something that. Um, I mean, I I constantly battle this. I always remind them. You know, we've got to bring other people up. And here's the thing: is if I can do that, and and we and back in the day when we first laid this out. I, I was like, Namila, Shamila, what if we made these two supervisor, assistant supervisor? And then as it grows, this person can then take their own pod. And it, there would be that, oh, well, they wouldn't have this and they wouldn't. Have, yeah, but if they're already doing the job now and if they're successful at it, we've got to figure out what success looks like. Right. Mm -hmm. And if they're successful at it and we move them up and then my next job was to go in and tell everybody and and the whole team that we had um, that that was a possibility. And you know, you just saw them looking at each other and going back and forth. And you know what they saw? Future growth for themselves. So you know what well, they I did? Think, yeah, go on. They worked better. They worked mm -hmm. hard, and they had more enthusiasm for what they did because they knew there was a plan for them too. Yeah. And I think as, as well, um, 
the, the, you're sort of stuck in this mindset, oh, they don't have this, they don't have that. And I'm like, well, but they have this. And I this can train is, the other. Is, I can, or I can find it elsewhere, or I can build it in an, in another way. And having that flexibility that there are certain skills that we need to be successful in this role, as you said, defining what success looks like, and and actually being able to build the business means that you you're going to have to be reliant on different people with different strengths. Um, yes. But also recognize that if if they don't have the exact skill set that that you think is is successful, we can build that other ways. We can do that with training. We can do that with bringing other people in that that have those why, skills. Why you can put them in a spot where they're comfortable because maybe that's the kind of personality they are. Case in point, we had somebody that uh, was made a supervisor. I felt a little too early, and. Um, but she was very sweet and she was very smart. And, you know, it's not like I don't go over there and sit down and talk to them and I'll pedal, I'll push questions. I, the questions I push at them have nothing to do with numbers, by the way. It has to do with process, has to do with what are you thinking when you're doing your work. So, um, and I noticed that she was extremely shy and not communicative. And they put her in a role of being a supervisor over several other young ladies. And I, I, after I had a meeting with the whole team, I went back to my partners and I said, could you tell me why you put her in this role? Well, she's really good at what she does. No, 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 wait a minute. What is it that she's good at? Tell me. Well, the work that she actually does, her work, working mm. on client work is pristine but she's supervising four other women. Well, that's so. They do good We want work. their work to be pristine as well, or I don't- yeah, No, but, but the thing was, that their work wasn't. Yeah. Because she wasn't really supervising them. She yeah. got the job because of seniority, her bona fides and education, and another point of bona fides within that culture. And that's why she got the supervisory job. And it was a flipping, get the swear jar out, shit show. <laughs> and it took me six months of arguing about it. And, and having, did, go ahead. Did, she, did I was going to say, did she actually enjoy the job supervising? No. Yeah. Yeah. Petrified her. Yeah. And frankly, I wanted her gone. Oh, so even, even her pristine work. Yeah. Yeah, given her pristine work um, because they wouldn't stop making her supervisor and my only option was to get rid of her completely. Well, it turned out she got a break because she was married, she got pregnant, she had a baby. Uh, so they got six, they get six months maternity leave. And, uh, but she wanted to come back. And the person whose work she was actually working on her particular pristine work. They missed her. Oh, really? And they were a yep. good client. And they, they were selling their accounting firm. And the new firm said, we'd like to take on more work. And I knew that if I isolated her and put her by herself, that she could handle all the work that they were doing for them. So she's her own pod with a direct and, and essentially a dedicated 
a dedicated resource for yeah. one particular firm focused on. I would not ordinarily on- do that because it's kind of scary in that, you know, I don't know if she's going to stay working for us. But in this case, she had been working for us for a couple of years. Um, and then she got married and she had a baby and we have a daycare center. So guess what? She's never flipping on me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I go, okay, I'm safe to do this. Ordinarily, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But um, the importance there of flexibility in your business planning and flexibility with how you structure and staff, uh, and we we do fall into the trap uh, as business owners that do accounting of waiting for this uni- unicorn that's going to come along um, with <laughs> with a skill with that 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 has the the education that has the experience that has the skill set that has the supervisory capability that has the rainmaking capability but it doesn't exist and so we, we've got to think on our feet and we've got to be flexible with how we do build uh build the build our own back office um penny when you get to the um so you've got your, your supervisor your assistant supervisor and, and that's really important to develop and everybody else the, is called everybody yeah let's get down into the preparer okay. level they're the preparers they oftentimes um, do not uh, communicate. They, 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 in many cases, they're not even in on the Zoom meetings. Occasionally with some firms they are, depending on the size of the team. But they basically are our first, second year uh, with us, regardless of their education. Um, mm-hmm. They're learning the basics. They are deep in the weeds of the detailed day-to-day um, debit credit, whether we're being, because unfortunately some firms still send us a flipping ton of data entry work, or they're being the traffic cop, they're managing the flow of data from expense trackers and POS systems and e-commerce systems that are flying into the GL. And they're doing all of that. They spend a good portion, a good year, typically doing just but they're and, in a pod so they can see and hear and learn and watch the assistant supervisor and supervisor. Well, I think they're sitting in that pod and, and importantly, they, they see where they are in the process. I think that's really important. I but I guess my, my question for you is, do you do you break down the work by task and and so so somebody's just doing the data entry somebody's just doing the bank feed somebody's just doing ap um or or is it more of an end to end type yeah that's role that's an interesting question level? that's an interesting question because originally i thought that's what we would do i right. thought well we'll find somebody who's really good at detail so we'll put them on payroll and back in the day we kind of did that uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, somebody who just wanted to, it'd be like a, somebody who, who's really happy putting blinders on and just give them a task and give them a repetitive task and teach them that repetitive task. Sure. There are people like that. The case in point was that young lady. That's what she was very, very good at. Uh, regardless of her education, that's about all she was good at. You know, I always say that my team thinks inside the box and I don't even know where the flipping box is. But, um, but she was, she was so boxed in, we boxed her into her own pod. But, um, you, so yeah, I thought, well, maybe we'll, we'll build a team based on, on, 
on abilities. I got somebody who's really good at payroll. I got somebody who's really good at allocation, who, who's okay with researching, who can think, who can, who can see a name of a vendor. I'll look at that memo field and figure out, yeah, I've seen this before. I thought that that's where we were going to go. And there are certain people that I find that are like that. But overall, it behooves me and it benefits me if I try to stretch their capabilities to see every aspect. Because I look at every preparer that comes in, I hope becomes the leader. The supervisor, of the yeah. And, and, and I know that's not going to happen with everybody, but what I need to do is discover who in that pod has that potential. Because here's the thing is, if you're going to grow your business, you have to understand scalability. And that was one of the things that my brother said to me when we back there in Santa Monica had that meeting and I was talking to him and I said, I think I'm going to be doing this. And he goes, what's your scalability? Cause mm-hmm. he, you know, he worked for Compulware. I mean, he worked, he worked for some Veritas. He had been, he'd been working in big, huge companies. And he said, what's your scalability? And I went, well, shit, I have to think about that. And so that's always the top of my mind is that, I'll sit there and I'll go, okay, I can take on this many clients. And it's like, well, we got, we got three firms, counting businesses, contact us this month. And we sat down and we said, okay, where can we scale to accommodate their particular needs? And we had to really look at things because of COVID uh, and go, okay, how can we handle this? And how do we move people around? And the thing is, I can move people around. I can move people from pod to pod because the cross-training we do. And mm-hmm. I could take specific, in this case, one was an audit firm. And in another case, person wanted, uh, they were a virtual part, uh, fractional CFO. And the third one, they just wanted tax work. So I was able to move people around because of the cross-training we did and and build a new structure for each of those new three firms coming in. Whereas um, if you if you had just somebody, if, if your pods were built on sort of very specialist task tasks, you, you probably wouldn't be able to do that because you wouldn't be able to fit the client to the pod, essentially. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So if I'm going to have my own firm, my own accounting business, and I want to scale it up, how do I then, I I don't want to duplicate me, but I do want the ability for the people who are working just below me. And the way I look at it is the, the, the owner of the firm is the advisor. They have the relationship with the client. They may have an administrator who works for them and communicates within the firm to handle all of their communication. They may even have a rainmaker if they're not the rainmaker type. Maybe they don't go out and sell, but they're really good once the client is in the door. In the door, they can close them and they can carry the client while that salesperson goes out and gets another one. That might be. But then once you get below that, who's supporting that person who's having that, giving that advisory or CFO service? It's a good, solid manager and supervisor of the preparers. And the preparers are doing excellent work because the supervisor 
is an excellent supervisor who gives good feedback, who communicates with them, and then trains. and trains while you deal with the client. So now how many clients can I put into this pod and manage and give them the quality advisory services, CFO services, whatever it is you want to call it, and do it on a repeated basis so that they always come back to me for more advice because that's where I'm making my money. Certainly not making it off the work that preparer is doing or that mm. that supervisor is doing. I'm making it, I'm making it off of the work. That, um, I make my money off my brain, not off my keyboarding skills. Help. Yeah. Can't type worth a damn. In fact, my mother told me when I was 15 years old and she, I, she tried to teach me how to type on an old Smith Corona. And she said, Penny, you can never learn how to type. You really are bad at this. You might as well get married and have babies. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know about the second part, but I can certainly attest to the, uh, to the, the typing. I, I receive your emails. So, yeah, I, I can. Yeah, I know. They're that. really bad. I know. <laughs> <laughs> For the listeners. On the keyboard. I really but if, if you're. But if you're thinking about, again, a lot of accounting firms that we work with in the United States and actually around the world, I think they, they're they missing that manager level, that re- good quality supervisor level that's doing doing what you were saying. I think they're, I think they're bookkeepers or accountants that have a full, full client workload and then they're expected to do some um, supervisory activity or some managerial activity and, and reporting and whatnot. But they're not that they haven't been trained and picked and promoted because of their ability to supervise, train, coach, give good feedback. And, and I, I think that's a level that is missing um, within t- particularly that I've small, medium-sized accounting firm. I, 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 I like Dawn over Marblehead with my partners on that one, where they go, oh, my God, we need to train up some more supervisors. Like going, yeah. Bingo, I've been telling you that for like the last year. I know it's difficult in the COVID, but the, some of our best firms, I got to tell you, the person that we deal with, the direct person that we deal with, I, when we get a good one and I know it, man, when, when I see it, I know it, it's like, Wow. Um, mm. The amount of work that gets shoved to us. And, and I know that we're not getting all the work. We're just getting the stuff that they can't get around to, which means that they're doing a ton. And they're so organized and they're so well trained. And when like there's, there's a new issue that comes up, they don't hesitate to bring the group in because we're part of that sometimes on a Zoom yeah. meeting. You know, where they're doing training and and you can just see it and you can see why that's why this firm is so successful, because the quality of the supervisor staff. Now, the preparers and some of the account managers come and go. Yeah. But the the learning curve when somebody comes in new is minimal. Mm-hmm. The um, the the amount of people within that firm who now become coordinators with us and we're expanding, that becomes that comes directly from that main person who is really good at delegation feedback and understanding that if I do a good job with you, my job is not less. My job is better because yeah. I've got another one of me, which means this business as a whole is doing better, is healthy, and is going to grow, and we're all going to win. Now, that's kind of 
esoterically virtual and all, you know, it's like, oh my God, are we being like, you know, a self-help book or something there? But I'm sorry, it works. It it does. And I, I think as well, it's a business. It's yeah. not a, it's not a practice. It's not, a, it's not. It's um, not about the numbers. It's not about the numbers and it's not about capacity and, and I've got one accountant that can handle this many clients. It's it's actually a business that is thinking about its future, its future growth, its future profitability and and taking a, a much more, um, holi- or, and using the word holistic Holist. now, but a much more comprehensive uh, view of what their business is and, and the people that sit within that business rather than a bookkeeping business or rather than a, a tax business. Well, do you, well, just think about it. If you say you're an advisor and what you're advising somebody on is how they're going to grow their business and you're basing it on the numbers alone, just even if you're just doing that, because I don't think you should. I think it's more than just numbers. You need to know the business. You need to understand the business. You need to understand the ownership and management of that business. But say you just base it on numbers alone. You are somebody they're giving their financial data to and they're trusting, right? And other businesses that they have to deal with, any small business is going to have to have an accountant. They're going to have to have a banker. They're going to have to have an insurance agent. And they're going to have to have maybe legal at some point in their business. So if you look at Oppenheimer's book, and he wrote this so many years ago, and it's just like, you know, when I, when I read that chapter, it was like, yeah, okay, got that figured that one out a long time ago. We used to call it centers of influence. You can be that center of influence and you can bring all of those needed aspects to a business owner and be that coordinator, right? And through that coordination, you build your business too because reciprocity means if you help them, they help you. So you get that. And then you're also advising the client and you're also trying to run your business. Excuse me, where do you find the time to do that without good quality people behind you? Mm-hmm. And if you're going to have good quality people behind you, you need to give them opportunity and you need to give them a sense of belief in themselves that they will make these choices for you and for the business overall. You know what? I'm going to say, I've said this before on this podcast. I'm going to say it again. It is wickedly difficult to hire good quality people. It is flipping easy as hell to get rid of them. And and I think that's, that's sort of a, a good sort of stake in the ground for where today's episode uh, wraps up. But I, I think the last thing I do want to just quickly touch on, Penny, is I'm sitting here listening to the podcast and and I've 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 come along this journey with you. How do I free up some space now in my business, I've got tax season, sort of the extension season looming, followed by the next uh, the next ta- tax season. How do I free up some space for me and and maybe actually for that manager to 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 sort of help them develop their skills, their supervisory skills? How do I, if I'm building it from the ground up now, I'm good. I, c- I can put things in place. But if I'm if I'm a, 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 the the traditional accounting firm making that transition, how do I sort of take that step back, still get the work done, but take that step back that frees me up to 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 develop that managerial um, function with, within our firm, within our business? Take some time. You know, 
there's a gentleman that I've recommended that come on this podcast. And I know sometimes people don't like us to have other people on the podcast, but I, I talked to him, Bassam, you know, him, right? Bassam. Oh, yeah. Yep. And uh, he and I talked about that. Uh, and he said, you know what I did? Because he was going through some hellacious stuff. He said, I took two weeks off with my family and I just stopped doing all the work. And I stopped worrying because nobody died because the bank account wasn't reconciled. And I took two weeks off and I went on a vacation with my family. And he said, you know what I got? It took me two days to decompress Penny. He goes, but what I got was space in my own own head to think about how I'm going to do this. So I highly recommend that if you are that stressed out of, of a firm owner or a business owner, something, take some time off because you know what? You, you've earned it. Go do it. And then he said, the other thing too, is he said, I got rid of some people when I came back. And I, I, I really thought seriously about the people that were in this with me and that I knew could move along with me. And he got rid of some people and he hired some new people. And then he, uh, he, he found that he had the space and the time and he does outsource. Now he does not outsource to me and that's okay. Um, <laughs> we've, we've been friends for a long time and he, he, utilizes my services as a consultant in a different way. But um, uh, I know the group he outsources with and they're very good. Uh, and it's it works for him. And now he finds that he can he's sending more work over there and he's utilizing the people in his office in a different way. He's telling them, I don't want you to do the work. I want you to manage the work being done. Okay. So he's got, he's got more directed people working for him and he's got more space on his calendar. He's much more directed and he goes, now I can take on more clients while still servicing his current client base at the level that that current client base expects to be serviced. Because that's the, you know, it's the expectations you put out there and you expect, you know, you go out there and you go, okay, I'm going to give you these advisory services. I'm going to give this, this fractional CFO service. I'm going to meet with you once a month. And then you fail on that. And yeah. why did you fail? Because you got bogged down in something called numbers. And you shouldn't be bogged down in numbers. There, those preparers can be bogged down in the numbers. The supervisor should be yeah. managing that. And then you go out and get the client or you have the relationship with the client. Like I said, our preparers very rarely talk to our clients. The supervisor talks to the client, or I do. Yeah, I was just thinking about how do I sort of um, summarize, what paraphrase what you've just said. But I, I think it's, it, it's looking at the work we got the preparer level. We've got the supervisory level. We've got the the client and then the the the, the client relationship level, client yeah. relationship level. And look at where you actually are spending all of your time. And I would hazard a guess your super your managers are spending most of their time in the preparer level. Mm -hmm. um, you're probably spending most of your time in the manager slash preparer level. And the, the right people aren't doing the right work. And I think that's probably a, a good place to start as you do step back from the business is actually look at look at the levels and then where is everyone spending their time? And I'd hazard a guess most people are spending their time one or two rungs below where they should be. Exactly. And so people aren't paying you for how fast and how well you do the keyboard. They're paying you for what's in your head.
and they're paying you for the trust that they've given you. Because they're giving you a hell of a lot of trust. Yeah. Penny, I think that's a really good, uh, really good place to end today's episode. Um, next episode, we're going to talk about the other team member, which is the technology side. So I'm excited about that. Um, and and then we'll take it. Should from I wear there. my but black Penny, dress? I have to go get little them. black dress. Well, uh, <laughs> maybe maybe we should have some cocktails as well. Um, a little bit early for me, but but I've I've never said no before. Um, well, you can Penny, stop doing these on my Friday afternoon. Yeah. I, I, I know I'm having a coffee and a, and a croissant and, and you're, you're getting ready for happy hour. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, Penny, where can, where can people find you? Um, moneypennyllc.com. Is that your website? Yeah. yeah and where can people find you, Damien? Uh, just reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, there's only one Damien Greathead on LinkedIn, I found out. So that's good. Uh, <laughs> so, folks, um, satvc.co is the website. That's where you can uh, catch up on the latest episodes. If you have enjoyed listening to Penny and I um, sort of share our experiences and insights, do us a favor and, and write a review um, on the, the platform of your choice. That'll help us get this out and, and get this out to more and more people. So write us a review. And if you do have any questions, shoot us a message on LinkedIn. Uh, we'd be more than happy to um, either di- discuss confidentially or, or alternatively uh, discuss um, the, the situation confidentially uh, on our podcast. So Penny, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. I look forward to uh, episode lucky number 13 coming up next. Hey, Born on Friday the 13th. I'm good with that. Okay. (laughs) Penny, we'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.